A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sheila Shoiger and welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations. The podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. But today, instead of having a chat with somebody, I'm flying solo. I'm not really sure how this is going to work. It's a bit of an experiment. But I just thought I would because I've seen other people with podcast series do solo ones. And they seem really effective. And they're ones that I enjoy listening to myself. Plus, when I put it out on Instagram, there seemed to be a lot of interest so I said, let's let's give it a go. So I asked for your questions and there were definitely some reoccurring themes. Um, anyone who knows me or knows my in inverted commas story will probably be aware that I had cancer, that I've gone through a few ups and downs in my life and I'm very open about speaking about them. I think it's really healthy to own what happens to us in our lives, the good stuff and the not so good. So I uh, I asked for your questions and definitely there were a lot of cancer related questions. There were a lot of questions about parenting as well, actually, and kind of the mad juggling act it is as working parents and um, what my views were on that. Uh, things like, are you getting married? What's the crack there? Um, I spoke very openly last year about having had a miscarriage. There were a lot of questions about that, too. And there were lots of um silly ones are not more frivolous uh, beauty related questions and things like that so I'm going to pepper this with some light and shade because I think if it's all a bit heavy I don't want you feeling drained at the end of it at the end of the listen so I thought I would um, give a little bit of a mix so here goes I'm going to tackle I'm going to tackle cancer because obviously I get a lot of questions about it having had it having been lucky enough to get through it well and I've also spoken about the fact that it's been a really good thing in my life you know now that I have experienced it which is a difficult sentence to say and particularly to receive if you're going through it or somebody you love is going through it because I would never wish it on anyone and I know that not every situation works out as well as mine did 
So I'm very, very conscious of that I'm very mindful of the impact of my words. And I really uh, never want to hurt anyone with what I'm saying. And I know it can be really triggering when you talk about cancer and all that goes with it. But for me, I suppose I was I was very lucky that it was a type of cancer that was easily treated. I had thyroid cancer, follicular thyroid cancer. Um, and my surgeries and my treatment were a success. But I also through, went through major, major changes uh, during that year from being diagnosed to the end of my treatment. Massive, massive changes on a personal level. The relationship I, I was in at the time ended um, towards the end of the treatment. And not too long after that, I also lost my job. So it's kind of the life was coming at me full force. So what I mean by it was a good thing was it showed me to myself, if you know what I mean. It showed me who I really was because I had nowhere to hide. I literally had nowhere to hide in any way whatsoever. And I think when you've nowhere to hide and you're at that crossroads in your life, it is that kind of classic sink or swim. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I'm not going to lie. There were times when I just felt like I was in quicksand and I was sinking. And I didn't think I had the strength to pull myself out of it. But I think the human condition is is so resilient and we are so much stronger than we know until we're forced or put to the test in the way I suppose I was in that situation. And we all are in our own ways. And I know people listening will have their own challenges. They may not be cancer. They may not be a breakup. They may not be job loss, but there'll be something else. And it's not until the shit hits the fan that you realize, Jesus, what am I going to do? Can I do this? When you dig deep, we, we are capable of so much. We're able to do so much, you know. So anyway, I haven't answered the question and I'm going off on a tangent, which anyone who knows me knows I have a tendency to do. The question is here, did having cancer change you? So I suppose this is two pronged. It absolutely did. And in other ways, it didn't at all. And what I mean by that is it changed me because my life pre-cancer and post-cancer, I mean, it's so different, you know. Um, I was living in a different place, sharing my life with somebody else. I had a different job. So everything looked different from what it is now. But even what it was within a few months after the end of my treatment, my life was totally different. So in that respect, yes. But in other ways... It didn't change me because I think what it does, rather than changing you and you become a new person, you know, the way you hear a lot of people talking about the new year, it's like, you know, new year, new you and all this stuff. I I kind of have a problem with it in that I know it's well meant and it is well meaning. But I don't think it's about becoming new versions of ourselves. I think it's about getting back to who we really are, who we always were, who was always in there. But somehow we get lost along the way, you know. Our environment, our upbringing, what we're exposed to, who we hang out with, what we watch, what we hear, what we experience as people will shape who we are. It's the whole nature nurture argument, I suppose, which I know I've had with some people and it's quite complicated <laughs> and it can get quite heated. But my feeling is that, and there are people that would absolutely disagree with me, but I think. From the moment we're born, there's an innate sense of who we are. And as kids, we're very good at it because we're very instinctual. You know, um, we know what we want to do 
um, and we know what we don't want to do. And then obviously we have to learn, you know, I suppose how to fit in, how to behave appropriately. Um, and we learn, I mean, manners are hugely important, but we learn, you know, what we must uh, conform to. And there's an element of conformity that's important in life. And then that carries through to our teenage years and our adulthood. But I do think there is, you know, there is something in us that defines who we are and how we feel about things and what resonates for us and what feels appropriate for our lives, because we're all unique. We're all different. And you'll have heard in previous podcast conversations, a lot of the guests I've had talk about that and embracing our uniqueness and how important it is to be okay with who we really are. So I think that's what cancer taught me. It allowed me to cut through the layers of of nonsense in my life and the stuff that I was concerning myself with and it allowed me to really tune into who I was. You know, what mattered, what I want from life, because when you're faced with a cancer diagnosis, the truth is you're faced with your own mortality. And I think this is something shared by many people. I've had this conversation with a lot of people who have had a cancer diagnosis. It's the second you hear the word, it's like your life in a way is flashing before your eyes because you don't know. You don't know what your prognosis is going to be. You don't know, uh, am I going to be OK? And I was very fortunate that mine was was pretty good. You know, I was told, look, our experience of, of treating this cancer is positive. It's it's effective. Let's do this. We can't guarantee it. But, you know, let's give it a go. So and I'm also a glass half full kind of person. So I always kind of thought I was going to be all right. But you still don't know. You don't know. And sure, we never know. That's the truth. It doesn't shouldn't take a cancer diagnosis to realize that actually none of us know when it is that we're going to leave this earth. None of us have a clue. And that's not me being morbid. That's just truthful. And I think when we embrace death or the concept of death, that's when we can really live. That's when we can appreciate. That's when we can allow ourselves to feel joy. Because, like, how often do we hear about people, whether we know them or not, that have passed on? And then you go, yet, how did that happen? How did that happen? And yet we're walking around in the greatest gifts that we will ever receive in our lifetime. And, you know, it's doing so much for us on a daily basis, on a on a moment by moment basis. And how often do we really take take note and really embrace it and um, and value it. So again, I think the answer is yes and no. It did change me because my life radically changed, but it didn't change me as in it simply allowed me become the person I always was. But just she she was a bit lost. She was a bit unlistened to. And uh, I started to tune in and listen to her. And it was the best thing I ever did. Do you worry it'll come back? So do I worry my cancer will come back? I don't. I genuinely don't. The only time I really think about it is when I'm in an oncology waiting room. And sometimes there's a bit of a wait and allows you time to think. And when I start thinking, I'm going, what if, you know, what if he says it's there's something or we need to go for another scan. But it's a very fleeting thought and it's not one that genuinely scares me or concerns me. And I don't mean to sound cocky, um, but it's simply how I'm wired. I'm not worried it'll come back. I fundamentally believe it won't, whether that's naivety, whether in time I will be proven wrong. But for me, it works to think this way. 
I, and it's not something I actively have to work on as well. It's not something I have to tell myself, you know, you are free of cancer. It won't come back. I don't have to work on it. I simply believe it's done. I simply believe I had it and I have treated it. I don't think it'll come back because I feel I've learned the lesson that cancer was trying to teach me as well about valuing my life and seeing what was important. Um, So, yeah, for me, I I don't worry about it. I genuinely don't. The other thing I'm asked about a lot (laughs) are actually my eyebrows and my eyelashes. So to answer questions about eyelashes, are they my own? Yes, they are. So they are my own eyelashes. They are my own brows. I'm not obviously asked are they on my own brows. But the one thing I will say is I'm lucky that I have good hair. It's always been a thing that I have. We come from a family of of good hair. So I suppose lashes are kind of in the mix there in that respect. Um, My brows took a bit of a bathroom because I overplucked them in, you know, the late 90s and kind of made a mess of them. But years ago, the crack of the brows is to answer that first. I went to Lorna Farley, the brow artist in Ranla, years ago. Um, and she did those semi-permanent brows. It's basically like tattooing your brows, but it, it fades up and it's lovely and natural. And I got that done. I, I think the last time I had it done with her was about three years ago. Um, and then I just, it's maintenance. So every six to eight weeks, I'll get them plucked and tinted. That's the crack with the brows. I definitely don't think they're they're as good as what they should be had I not overplucked them but they're certainly a lot better than they were uh, before I went to Lorna so um, yeah so between her and my local beautician that's the crack with the brows the lashes yeah I've always had long lashes to be honest Um, they're not very thick but they're long so I have worn fake lashes and certainly when I get my makeup done by a professional makeup artist I always love to get a few individuals or maybe a strip Um, I think they you know they're great they add a bit of drama But yeah, they are my own. What is your career highlight to date? So when I was thinking about this, I was kind of thinking of all the stuff I've done. So my story is I started working in telly at 19. I'm now 40. So that's 21 years of knocking about in the entertainment, media business, whatever you want to call it. And I've done a load of different things. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint it on one thing. So the the stuff that really jumps out to me is... um, taking part in a musical comedy called Aikino. It was on in the Olympia and I played the character of Sophia. It was definitely one of the best things I ever did because I just had the crack every single night. I worked with gorgeous people and we just had such a laugh and I genuinely loved every single second of it. It was great fun and it was right outside my comfort zone performing on a stage. I'm not an actor. I'm not necessarily a singer. But I got to play and uh, I loved it. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, I also loved presenting with my sister Gráinne on daytime telly. That was, we had just had such a great year when we did that. Um, that was absolutely brilliant. Bio is one of the best things I've ever done. Being part of that, um, giving talks, doing meditations. And we're back again on the 4th of January all around the country. So yeah, I love being part of Bio. Pendulum Summit is also back. Uh, we're back on the 8th and 9th of January and that's a big event in the convention centre and I'm the MC for that. And then the other thing that jumped out to me was a song I recorded five years ago for charity. So we were raising money for ISPCC Childline 
and Make-A-Wish. I'm an ambassador of Make-A-Wish. So we wanted to raise money for two charities and I suppose I got to indulge a passion of mine, which is singing. And with a friend of mine, he wrote the song. We got choir involved. Loads of people helped out. It was brilliant fun. That was five years ago. And we raised a load of money for the charities. So that was an also another thing that jumps out to me. So I'm like, I haven't answered your question. You said a highlight. I'm after giving about four or five things. But anyway, I also get a lot of pregnancy questions. So I'm a mammy to a two-year-old boy. Um, one of the things that has come back and back and back is advice, particularly for first-time moms. So I remember that. I remember that time. And I remember the fears, the excitement and all that goes with it. So there's a number of things I would say on that. First of all, I would say, believe in yourself. Because I think so often we feel that we're not capable as women of doing this. And there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of how will I cope? How will I do this? Um, there's also a lot of struggles with how our body changes and, and what that brings about and all the little aches and pains and all the concerns. And I know every pregnancy is different. Some women have an easy time, but others don't. So it's not an easy one to answer. But I would say the generic things will be believing in yourself and also letting go, you know, this is happening, you know, I think embracing it, accepting it and letting go of control is key, you know, and leaning into it and allowing nature do its wonderful thing because it's magnificent. It's absolutely mind blowing what's happening and it's such a privilege um, and that can feel overwhelming. And I know that feeling. I would also say homework, doing your homework is 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 so worthwhile. Um, and while some women like to dig their head in the sand and not think about it. And I know I was one of those women, too, early in the pregnancy. I didn't even want to think about labor. I didn't even want to go there. I was like, no, I can't think about that. It's so mental. I just cannot get my head around it. And then there comes a point, I think, in the pregnancy where you kind of go, right, Chad, this is going to happen. Like, you know, this baby's coming out one way or another. This baby's coming out. So I need to. I need to go there with my mind before my body actually takes me there. And I think for me, that was massively important. Um, there's so many books that are great. I think read, read, read. Internet, books, whatever. My favorite book of all was Ina Mae Gaskin's Guide to Childbirth. It is an incredible read. At times, it's it makes you feel slightly uncomfortable, but I think it's good. It's a really, um, it's a really empowering read overall. And I think it gives you such a sense of childbirth. Women are amazing and we're capable of so much more than we think we are, you know, particularly as first time moms, you know. So um, just believe in yourself, let go and you're doing great. You know, it's not easy. It's not easy being pregnant. So, uh, you know, go easy. A lot of people ask about wedding plans, so I'm engaged. So we're engaged now since last April. I think it was April we got engaged. I probably should know that. Yeah, it was April. Um, so people are asking naturally, are you getting married? The truth is we have no plans. And I really mean this. And the reason I want to talk about this now is I get asked about this an awful lot in interviews. And I don't know if what I say makes complete sense. So our story is this. We're together. We're really happy. We're really committed. We have a little boy together. So like we're both in it for the long haul. You know, we're very content uh, both of us knowing that, that, you know, this is it. So getting married is something that we both want to do. But for me and for Damien, it's not something that we feel necessarily that has to happen now, has to happen straight away. It'll happen. But we're in no rush. Our priority right now is Kahal and just enjoying life. Also, I feel 
that when you know we both want it to happen it, it'll happen but I just don't feel the urge right now so yeah who knows what'll happen but I've always joked about it as long as it's before I'm 50 so I think it will be before I'm 50 but not a clue where or when or how or any of that um I'm thinking it'll be a low-key affair but who knows Another question I've been asked a fair bit is, am I okay? Am I doing okay? I've been a bit quiet on Instagram. What's going on? So there's a few reasons for it. One of them being that my phone has been acting up massively because. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com of storage issues and all this crack. So I've been trying to do stories and they haven't loaded and all this kind of stuff. But the bigger reason was something. And this is probably the reason I wanted to do this solo podcast, because I kind of thought I'll either talk about it on Instagram or I'll talk about it during the podcast. Um, because anyone who follows me knows that I like to be as real as I can. Let's be honest, social media, there's always a filter, whether you use one or not. There's a fil- it's not the full picture of your life. It's a snapshot into your life. Um, but I do struggle with doing stories when there's stuff going on in my own life if I'm not speaking about it. But I did feel that I needed to give myself a bit of time. Um, and the the truth is, and it's hard to say it, but the truth is that I had another, I had another missed miscarriage. So three weeks ago, um, I went in for another scan at nine weeks. Um, so basically I had been in the coom at seven weeks and all was good. A strong heartbeat, you know, everything looked as it should in the right position. And anyone who's had a miscarriage will probably connect with this. I was terrified, you know, so excited, feeling so thankful. But I did feel scared and I was trying to manage those feelings of of fear, of fear, you know, fear of what if it'll happen again. So when I had that first scan, there was a huge sense of relief. You know, I started to kind of believe it and, you know, allow myself to feel it's it's okay to feel happy, you know, and 
get your hopes up. And I do think that's really important and your mindset is massively important. So that was fine. Went in at nine weeks and the dreaded words were said the same as I heard the last time. So anyone who has been following me would be aware that I had a miss miscarriage this time last year as well. And it took me a long time before I was ready psychologically, I think, um, to try again, to for us to want to try again. Um, and we did and we were lucky again. We conceived, but it wasn't meant to be. So at nine weeks, uh, there was no heartbeat. And of course, it was utter devastation once again. In fact, it was worse because of happening for the second time. It felt like, oh no, this can't be happening again, you know? So as it was another miss miscarriage, which basically means something I didn't know anything about. So in case you haven't heard of the term before, it basically means that, you know, heart stop beating. There is no life is no longer there, but you're I suppose your body still thinks you're pregnant in a way and you are not bleeding. Um, and it's confusing and weird and um, and it's complicated and it's obviously different for every woman, but we made the decision to have the DNC. I had a DNC the last time as well. So, yeah, I had the DNC and, th- you know, there's a lot of things that are different this time around. And it's hard to kind of put it all into words now. But I think last time, whether I realised it at the time or not, I certainly didn't realise it at the time. But I think I was I was trying to be the tough guy, as it were. Um, I think I was trying to just kind of get on and sure it's isn't it natural it's grand and you know nature has its ways which I absolutely believe in and I do believe everything happens for a reason it, you know these are, are kind of the philosophies I live by but I was kind of like oh it's okay it's okay and it'll work out and then it wasn't really until a few months later that it kind of hit me a wallop and I had a big wobble and that's part of the grieving process I suppose. And as Jerry Hussey says in a previous conversation, you know, when he talks about grief, you know, there is no timeline on grief, you know, um, there's no way of knowing. And you just have to go easy on yourself and be nice to yourself, but also express it and let the emotion up. And I don't think I healthily let the emotion up the last time, whereas this time I've cried a lot of tears. You know, I've allowed myself have those moments and I'm not swallowing them down because I realize actually uh, how damaging they are. And and how if you don't allow the emotion to come up when you feel that bubble and allow it be and let it come to the surface, it's going to manifest some other way in your life. And it's not always going to be nice and it's not always going to be beneficial. So let let yourself give yourself permission to express the emotion, however, comes out, you know. Um, and Miriam also talks about that before where she says it's a lovely episode I, actually if you're listening to this and if if you're going through anything similar it might be worth your while if you haven't heard it to go back and listen to the second conversation in the series because Miriam talks about it brilliantly where it's like we need to release it's like a bottle of coke and you need to release the top of it gently and let the fizz out rather than letting it explode and what happened to me last time was I didn't do that and I did explode and that wasn't good for me or anyone around me. So, yeah, this time I'm I'm just going easy on myself and um, and it's not easy and and it is sad. And even though I accept it, uh, it's not 
it's not what I want. Um, but I have to trust and believe every ha- everything happens for a reason. And we are so incredibly lucky that we have Cahal. And if we're destined to have more, we will. And if we're not, we won't. But my fundamental thinking is that we will. I do genuinely feel that. Whether that will be the case or not, who knows? It's like me talking earlier about cancer and my belief that it won't return. Will that be the case? Who knows? But it's my belief. So as you can see, I'm probably wired quite positively as a person. It's just it's just it's just who I am. Um, but I do think talking is really important. And that's why I wanted to talk about it here and be honest. And um, and there's a few things I've learned this time around. And I think one of the things I did this time and I didn't read it, I just instinctively did it because what happened the first time was I instantly went to blame. I instantly went to what did you do wrong? You know, what, what you know, could I have? Was it that coffee I had? Was it, you know? Silly, 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 and overanalyzing every move from the moment I peed in the stick to see, did I do something wrong? Um, whereas this time I didn't do that, but I also actively wanted to make sure that I was minding myself. So I did something and I, I recommend that even if you're not going through a miscarriage, but if you're going through a tough time, stand yourself in front of your mirror, say in your in your bathroom or wherever. And look into your eyes, really look into your eyes. Now, I did this while I was roaring crying. So it wasn't easy, but I didn't expect to start crying, but I'm just remembering that moment. Look into your eyes and just say, I did nothing wrong. This was not my fault. Because, and I think as women, we can sometimes beat ourselves up a lot about these things, you know. And the truth is, sometimes we're not meant to understand why it happens. Some little beings are not meant to be. And it's hard. It's really hard. But we're not alone. And the more we talk about it openly and honestly, I think we give permission to others to own what has happened to them too. You know, whether it's miscarriage or something else. So, yeah, I think that's an important exercise. I do think writing is really important as well. So I um, I like to write. I don't do it all the time, but I did find that um, after that, um, after the scan and before and after the DNC, writing down really helped me. Writing down how I was feeling physically, mentally and emotionally really, really helped, you know getting it out, getting it out of the body, writing it down, it, it, you know, and and you're honoring your feelings because your feelings are so important. They're so important. And uh, yeah, just go easy on yourself. And there's no right or wrong. There's no timeline. Um, just go easy. So so anyway, look, that's why I've been quiet. Um, there's been a lot of different things going on, but obviously that has been one of them. So so, yeah. Another question is, are you going to release meditations? The truth is, I am. <laughs> Anyone who has been to Bill will know that I've been talking about <laughs> releasing meditations for ages. And it's, look, I'll put my hand up and say it's completely me standing in my own way. Self-sabotage is very potent <laughs> and it's very strong in me. So um, it will happen. 
it hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. So if you've gone to Boo, um, the Wellness Day, you'll have heard me um, talk about, uh, you know, talk about stuff that's happened in my life, do meditation and then maybe afterwards say, and I'll be releasing a podcast of meditations, but it hasn't happened. So it will happen in the new year. And uh, I'll, I'll talk about that again at the end. Next question. What is the most embarrassing thing you've ever worn? This was another brilliant question because the second I got it, I had a load of memories because I have had a lot of fashion disasters, you know. So like I'm, I'm I obviously was a teenager in the 90s and in the late 90s, early 2000s, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but if you're around my age, you probably will. A look that was really in was wearing skirts over your trousers, over your jeans or your pants. Uh, like, don't ask me. So stupid. But we all thought we were like class. We looked great. So that was a big thing. Moon boots were also a big thing. The obnoxiously high boots, shoes, runners, whatever. But the memory that really jumps into my head when I think about the most embarrassing, you know, thing I've ever worn was a, a silk top that I wore. And the top itself was very pretty. It was lovely. But I wore it at the launch of a spa, right? And uh, I'll explain this now and just stay with me for a second because I know you're like, what is she talking about? But basically it was the launch of a spa and they were giving everyone a tour of the thermal suite. And obviously a thermal suite, it's kind of cosy, warm place. It's moist. Yes, I said the word. I know a lot of people have an issue with that word, but hey-ho. So it's warm and it's there's a lot of moisture in the air and all that kind of crack, right? I am wearing a lovely... It was like a cornflower blue silk top. And it was the time when uh, the sack, the stylist bit was in the Sunday Independent magazine. And it was a pretty crappy part, actually, of the magazine. And I'm so thankful that they got rid of it because I didn't see the point. Of it. it was just it was basically it was like the mean girls section of the magazine. Every week they would poke fun at somebody. It was just shitty. But anyway, it was my turn. It was my turn, but I wasn't embarrassed because of the top. The top itself was fine. There was no problem with the top, but it was warm. I was wearing silk and I was sweating. So the reason I was in the sack, the stylist was I had a lovely sweat mark under my arm. So there I am standing with my lovely, shiny, happy head on me, holding a glass of bubbles and posing like a big old Egypt at the camera. Innocent as fuck. And the next thing, I'm in the sack of the stylist in the Sunday Independent magazine. And I felt like puking when I saw it. Because it just feels like weird. It's weird. It just feels like as a woman, we're not allowed sweat. Isn't it so fucking ridiculous? I'm sorry. But I'm just remembering, number one, how shitty that was in the paper. By the way, I'm a fan of the Sunday Independent. Please don't take this uh, personally. But uh, but at the time it was crap. But I was young and I was vulnerable and I wasn't as secure in myself as I am now. Jesus Christ, it upset me. So anyway, that's the most embarrassing thing I've ever worn. Um, what is your best and worst quality or trait? Right, so the best, I suppose, I would say would be that I always try to see the best in people unless they prove me wrong. Like I genuinely won't look for flaws or I won't be suspicious of people or I won't think they're a dickhead um, unless they show me otherwise. And look, we can all be assholes. I can be the biggest one of all. But I will always try and see the best and, and look for the light. And there's always more light than shade in people anyway. There's always more good than there is bad, as it were. Um, so that's, I think, a good quality. 
But my worst quality would probably be the fact that I'm a hoarder. Now, I'm recovering a hoarder and I have vastly improved and transformed over the past number of years. I actually used to be a lot worse than I am now, but I have a tendency to hold on to stuff for too long. And I'm not unclean, <laughs> but I'm untidy because of the stuff. Do you know what I mean? So um, and I do think that when, you know, there's pressure in my life or I'm feeling under pressure, or there's stress or things happen. That's when I accumulate more stuff, because obviously it's a it's, you know, it's linked to what's happening to us mentally and emotionally. And this is how it manifests for me in my life. So if I'm not doing so well, I'll usually be carrying a million bags um, with stuff in them, stuff that I'm not sorting, you know. So, um, yeah, hoarding is a thing that I do and it's a continual work in progress and probably always will be. But I think awareness is key to improving oneself. So um, that is probably my worst quality. OK, I'm going to take one last question before I wrap this up. And it is this one. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you were 25? Again, this is a brilliant question for any of us because you're kind of going back in time. And you're remembering what you were like at 25. For some people, it might not be long ago. For some, you might not have even reached 25. But for me, it's a fair few years ago now. What I didn't know at 25 was that I had the greatest tool that would ever be given to me. And I already had it for free. It was there. I just wasn't accessing it. And it was my gut instinct. That feeling in your bones, that knowing, just, you know, that thing that we can't quite put our finger on. That is the greatest guide that we will ever, ever possess. But it requires silence and tuning in and listening to that inner voice. And I wasn't doing that. I didn't do that for years, for years and years. And I still struggle with it. And there are times when I sometimes ignore the inner voice. But I think it's important to check in and scan and silence and observe. So, yeah, I think... Um, you know, my life has been given a lot of signs for many years, but different things. But I, I wasn't I wasn't tuning in or maybe I, I would recognize the sign, but then fob it off as Ara. Sure, you know, I'll be grand or I'll be this, or I'll be that. So, yeah, trusting that your inner self, your higher self, whatever you want to call it. Is the ultimate guide in your life. And if you learn how to tune into it and listen to it and honour it and live by it. Your life will vastly improve. OK, that is it. I have no idea how this went. I have no idea whether anyone will want to listen to this um, or whether anyone will get anything out of it. But I'm glad I tried it. There's loads I could talk about again. I might do another one again or I might do ones where I kind of zone in on a topic and talk about it in detail. But for now, uh, yeah, that is it. I will be back in the new year. I'm going to have to take a few weeks of a break purely because my schedule is a bit out the door. So we're back for Bill on the 4th and 5th of January. And then I'm working on the Pendulum Summit, which is in the Convention Centre on the 8th and 9th. And then I just have loads of bits and bobs on. I also want to focus on getting my website up and running, which, let's be honest, it should be up by now. But it's completely, again, hands up, my fault. Uh, but it will be up. 
on that, I'm going to add in meditations because I know there are a lot of you out there that are interested in in hearing them. Um, so I'm going to work on that. That'll be up over the next while. I'm going to take a few weeks break from the conversations, but we will be back uh, at some point in January, probably by the middle to end of the month. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for following, for listening, for engaging. Uh, it really means the world to me. And I know this time of year can be really intense for a lot of people for different reasons. So just go easy on yourself. Do what feels right for you. Trust your gut instinct. If you don't want to do something, be strong enough to say, I don't want that or I'm going to stay away or, you know, just listen to yourself. Um, because that's all that matters. You being OK is what matters. You know, now more than ever, this time of year when, when it just feels so intense. And I know it can be a beautiful time of year and it's a time of year that I, I love, but I also understand and appreciate how difficult it can be as well. So go easy. Happy Christmas. And um, I shall chat to you in the new year. Lots more interesting conversations with varied guests coming up over the next few months. OK, thank you so much for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.